You're listening to the 104 Sports Report, your main source for Oswego sports, hosted by Zach Case and Joey Palatsky. You're listening to Episode 6 of the 104 Sports Report, your main source for Oswego sports. I'm Zach Case, alongside my co-host, Joey Palatsky. Welcome back to the podcast, brother. Thank you, Zach. Beautiful Monday here in Albany. Uh, nice weekend of fall football. Had a nice uh, Sunday afternoon. Got co- women's ha- women's hockey head coach Mark Digby on today's podcast. Great interview with him. Yeah, uh, insane guy. Uh, awesome interview. They'll be uh, tuned up later in the segment. But a longer episode today as we got some more news coming out of Oswego State and then some updates uh, coming out of uh, high school sports, uh, specifically Oswego High School. But let's take a walk down memory lane real quick and look to see what we have done so far as we are halfway through the semester here uh, at college uh, for Joe and I, uh, which is pretty insane, but uh, we got Luke Owens interview episode five. We take Seela Wiley in episode four, Carter Allen episode three, we talk uh, fall sports in episode two, and then JJ O'Connell, uh, head coach of the volleyball team, comes on in episode one. Uh, of course, you guys are listening on all of our podcast platforms, and shout out to WNYO Sports uh, for affiliating with us. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit you hit it all right there. Bunch of great interviews there. Matt Watling, WNYO, love them over there, and. Uh, Speaking of NYO, like you said, Luke Owens, last week's episode, if you didn't already check it out, get, get on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, and check that out. Yeah, of course. Now let's dive into today's episodes. We're going to do a newsflash segment right off the bat here. We're going to talk some SUNYAC schedules released and some uh, news going on there. Then we'll prep the interview and we'll dive right into Coach Digby's interview. And then we'll do uh, interview reactions, of course, after that. And we'll go into Buccaneer Corner to wrap up today's episode on the 104 Sports Report. Yeah, we got a great episode ahead today. Lots of segments, Oswego College, uh, SUNY Oswego updates, Oswego High School updates. Great episode today. Of course. Now let's dive into Newsflash. Of course, last week, uh, if you aren't following the college scene so far, uh, the SUNYAC released the men's basketball, women's basketball, and men's hockey schedules for conference play uh, for next for this coming winter. Uh, some highlights, uh, some real background before we dive into uh, each team and some of the logistics behind it uh, is they will be competing in the February month, and then they'll wrap up uh, the first weekend of March for hockey. But February will basically be all of uh, basketball and then hockey, of course. And then uh, if you are thinking about the women's hockey team, they are not a SUNYAC conference. They are the new WHL. So they will probably release their schedule uh, sometime later this month. Uh, that will uh, we touch on a little bit in the interview, but uh, of course uh, it will be coming down the pipeline, Joe. Yeah. And obviously stick around for the interview with Digby, but you'll hear him say he's very optimistic. They're having a season. And if you don't stick around for the interview, do not bug him about a schedule. He said that he's got lots of people blowing up his phone. Everyone wants to know what's happening. But, yeah, he said he's optimistic. And obviously it's great that we got uh, men's and women's basketball and men's hockey schedules to look forward to for sure. So some quick background real quick. The non-conference portion of the season will be played prior. Uh, As of right now, that is still a thing. But there hasn't been any release of the schedules because it is too soon with the COVID-19 pandemic currently happening. Uh, only conference game so far, like we talked about, two teams from each co- uh, each division inside the conference uh, will make the playoffs. So it'll be semis and then a championship game, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great, obviously, for both the student athletes and for the students and all the fans out there. Um, obviously, we're not sure what's happening with non-conference games yet, because then at that point, you're looking at January because all these games are taking place in February. But I mean, obviously, regardless of non-conference games, just knowing you're going to have a conference season, you got a month to... Uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a sprint type season, but you have a month of games and 
I mean, just to see a schedule, even though there is no no non-conference games on there, I think it's huge just to see a schedule being put out. It's great news. Oh, it's definitely a great thing for these student athletes, especially uh, for some of these teams that they wrapped up their season last year uh, in terms of winter, but the unknowns of even if they're going to get a season this coming winter uh, has been scary. They haven't been on the field practicing or the court practicing or the ice, uh, for, for instance. So this is a nice step. Uh, to the return of athletics here against uh, other colleges is a great step towards that. Uh, one thing we would like to note, of course, we are recording this on the 12th of October. This is Monday. You will hear this hopefully on the 14th of October on Wednesday. But today we found out uh, that Oswego State Athletics, along with the SUNYAC, took down their press releases on this information. They're no longer on the website. Uh, you can find the SUNYAC one, but you have to have the old link. Uh, so there's none of this information is out to the public anymore, uh, which there's been speculations going around on what will happen. Uh, most likely, I think there'll be updates uh, later this week. Uh, so I think next episode is going to be another big episode. We'll tune you uh, in for updated information on all these schedules and stuff. Just Zach, quick, a little uh, shameless plug for you. Uh, if you are looking for the schedule, you can go to WTOP10.com. Zach Case had the whole article. He's got the breakdown of it. The schedules are on there. So obviously we're not sure um, what the new schedule is going to be looking like, but if you need a visual of the schedule, hop on the uh, WTOP 10 website. Um, obviously I'm guessing there's not going to be many massive changes to the new schedule. I mean, I don't think they would have already dropped the current one just to retract it and put out a whole new one. I think for the most part, it's probably going to be uh, mostly the same. Yeah, well, it'll definitely be something later in the week that we'll have to touch up on. And uh, we'll bring it to you, of course, on the 104 Sports Report right back here uh, for Episode 7 uh, next week. Uh, so let's dive into uh, some of these schedules. Of course, we're going to uh, talk about these later on into the winter before the season actually starts. We'll dive into each individual sport, give you some breakdown, give us some predictions and uh, what you guys can expect from these teams uh, heading into the 2021 season. Uh, but let's talk about the men's basketball, women's basketball uh, schedules, Joey, and how those, uh, how the conference and how those sports are going to work uh, this coming winter. Yeah, so it's going to be the men's and women's basketball teams from Oswego are going to be traveling together during the conference schedules. Um, both teams are in the Western Division, so they play Brockport, Buffalo State, Fredonia, and Geneseo, and then Oswego is going to be the fifth team in there. So usually. During the regular season, obviously, if the uh, the men's team's home and the women's team's either away or they have the day off or whatever it is, but in this in this uh, upcoming season, they're going to be traveling together. So they're playing on the road together, or if one team's home, they're both home. So it's going to be a doubleheader, two nights. So obviously, at uh for the home games at Max Yield Gym, I I mean I guess it saves wherever you're coming from. It saves you a trip, catch two games for the price of one. Uh, it's also going to be a round robin schedule, so they're going to have one home game and one away against each team against uh, the other four opponents. Um, but one thing that sticks out here to me here, or one thing that sticks out to me here is there's for this, for the second team or for whoever's playing the second game of the night, they're going to have less on court pregame warmup time. Obviously. I mean, if you go to a basketball game, the guy, I mean, the team's out there about at least an hour before the game really. And now with, if they're playing the second game of the night, they're, they're going to have to warm up before they're going to have to sit through a game. They're going to have to stay loose, do what they can do. They're going to have to find a routine that works for them just like obviously back when they were varsity players having to sit through a JV game. And then, I mean, I'm guessing they're probably going to have tw about 20 minutes to run through layup lines, get a couple drills in, and then go from there. Um, and then another thing for the men on the men's side, they uh, play Brockport in the first and last game. And Brockport went 17-1 and in the SUNYAC last year and beat Oswego in the SUNYAC tournament. 
and on Oswego senior night. So Oswego is going to be looking for some revenge coming out of the gate hot, hopefully against uh, Brockport and turn it around here. Yeah, Brockport won 17 and one uh, overall, and then of course won the Suniac uh, tournament. Uh, another thing to note here is uh, if we didn't talk about it yet and you don't know the current situation of the SUNYAC, uh, they're basically splitting the conference in half based on the state. Uh, this was something that was talked about over the summer for fall sports, and now is actually happening uh, for uh, the winter sports. So it's uh, pretty cool because we already kind of touched on it a little bit over the summer. I remember writing an article about it and having it all ready to go, and now it's actually happening. Uh, so something uh, – that I think will be a little, uh, it'll be cool. Definitely be a cool thing to see uh, teams that you won't end up playing all season. And then you possibly have to play them in the playoffs. Uh, of course, I don't think there will be spectators at these events uh, just due to indoors facilities. It really adds a lot. Uh, maybe families will be allowed to come depending on the situation, uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. I think a lot of these will be broadcast over the internet. So uh, for WTOP and WNYO, uh, definitely going to be a cool thing for them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think they're going to have more viewers for TOP and NYO if uh, spectators aren't in attendance. Yeah, definitely. Now, let's heading into men's hockey. Of course, the conference is a little different uh, compared to basketball. There's only nine teams, so it's a little uneven when you do break it into two. That's just simple math there, Joe. Uh, Oswego will play in the Eastern Division against Plattsburgh, Potsdam, and Morrisville State. Morrisville is the only uh, team that's not really in SUNYAC for any other uh, uh, sport, but they are for hockey. Uh, and of course, they went seven and zero against those three last year, and they will avoid Geneseo until uh, the playoffs, really. So, uh, cool little stat that Joe looked up, big stat guy over there. So, we appreciate the info from Joe. Uh, we are going to do a triple round robin schedule in the Eastern Division compared to the West due to the lack of teams, uh, minus one long road trip. So, for us, we go. They won't be able to play uh, Plattsburgh three times, uh, which is kind of a bummer because. Uh, Obviously, Plattsburgh and Oswego, that big rivalry. But you could see Plattsburgh in the SUNYAC semifinals or finals, uh, however that works out. Uh, eight games over the course of less than a month, and there will be 16 conference games uh, and obviously less room for error because you, you're going to play straight conference games. You might not get that non-conference games. So you're going to have to be ready to go right off the bat, Joe. Yeah, I think obviously we saw men's hockey last year was a very streaky team. And there's really just no room for error as it's a uh, eight game conference schedule instead of a 16 game conference schedule. They, they don't they don't have room for error and they really can't be streaky, especially if they want to make the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Now, heading into the Coach Digby interview, we'll prep you real quick, give you some background information on our guy that we had come in for uh, this week's interview on the 104 Sports Sport of Coach. Coach Digby is the assistant co was the assistant coach uh, with the men's hockey team from 2010 to 2019 before becoming the assistant associate head coach uh, next to Deanna Dillon, uh, who was the only coach uh, since the team has returned uh, in the program. So now uh, Digley will be the second ever head coach in program history uh, since the return of the program back in 2006, around that time frame. Uh, and last year, the team really uh, took off under him. Obviously, um, it, it definitely helps the women's hockey team having a familiar face be the new head coach as opposed to bringing in an outsider. So Coach Digby knows this team well. Um, probably going to keep more or less the same identity. Just going to – he knows their strengths, know their weaknesses, knows what they got to work on. And, um, yeah, they went 16-7-4 seven, seven last season. They were finalists in the new HL. Um, obviously, 
who is it? I believe it's Plattsburgh that really crushes in the new HL. Yeah, Plattsburgh's so. Plattsburgh's really the the heavy hitter in the women's uh, hockey world for Division Three. So really a tough opponent for them to face in conference. Uh, so it's always always something uh, you want to watch, especially because Oswego I think has been better lately. Uh, so they they're definitely giving uh, Plattsburgh a run for their money. Yeah, we're gonna see if Coach Digby can uh, keep this program up. Maybe let's win ourselves a new HL title. Maybe maybe not this year, maybe not the year after, but let's let's do it under Coach Digby. Let's do it. Hey, let's do it in the years we're here. You got three yeah. three seasons, three seasons to do it. I, I can mean, I can see it. I'm not gonna lay down predictions right now, but I I think I I can see it happening. Yeah, I mean obviously like well you and me talked to him both during the interview and before and after. He he's a very likable guy. He seems like a very likable coach, very personable person. You get the vibe that he cares about his he's gonna care about his players, his student athletes. And I mean, yeah, I think it's it's a he's a great head coach for this women's hockey team and um, great interview with him, too. Yeah, we don't want to give away too many secrets here before we get into it. But uh, you could tell from her reactions that uh, overall the, the interview went pretty well and you'll see that uh, coming up. So uh, you are listening to the Coach Digby interview on the 104 Sports Report. Uh, this is episode six and we'll see you after this interview. Welcome into this week's interview on the 104 Sports Report. Joey and I would like to welcome in Mark Digby, head coach of the Oswego State women's hockey team. Coach Digby worked with the Oswego men's hockey team as an assistant coach for eight seasons before switching to the women's program last year. Coach, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, Coach, thanks for coming on the pod today. Appreciate yeah, it. No problem. So, uh, Coach, we'll dive in some quick questions here. Uh, just a couple. We're going to talk about the team we're going to talk about you a little bit and then uh, what we can expect for the 2021 season very good so my first question we're going to take a trip down memory lane uh for say after losing to plattsburgh last year in the new whl championship game what was your coaching staff's message uh to the team heading into this offseason well it's i think this is certainly more of an interesting offseason than uh, than we would have liked you know i think uh immediately after the game you know, I think the message up there in the locker room was was simply a, you know, looking around the room and appreciating how difficult it was to lose that game. And, you know, I think you go through a lot of seasons where there's there's adversity and bumps in the road. And sometimes you get to the end of the year and it's almost a relief when it's, you know, when it's done. And fortunately for us, that was not the case last year. It was it was hard to look around the room and know that that was the last time that group of people would get to be together. And, uh, you know, and in that scenario. So uh, I think we were all just appreciative of the time that we had gotten to spend together and the, the kind of the battles that we had gone through together and the adversity that we had overcome together. And uh, I know that the players were really looking forward to last spring and the opportunity to continue to push themselves, continue to take steps forward that we had made last season and then uh, obviously three days after, you know, our season ends, uh, you know, the, the COVID happens here and uh, everybody's sent home, which rightfully so to keep everybody safe. And, and so then it was more of, a, okay, this is the new situation that we're in. How do we work within that? And I think uh, the players did a great job of, you know, staying together through all that and, and staying connected, which I thought was probably our, our most important piece from last, last season. Yeah, your group really uh, laid down the building blocks uh, for the future of this program, really. And uh, it's something that really showed on the ice and off the ice last year. Yeah, thanks. Well, I think, 
you know, from, from the very beginning of the program, right back in the fall of 2006, I think there was a tremendous foundation built for the program, right? The, uh, the academics have always been extremely important. Community service has always been extremely important. And a lot of it has come down to the team, right? And behaving and acting, supporting each other like a team. And really those were, those were the main things that we tried to reinforce last year, just to, to continue the development of the program. And, uh, you know, the players bought into everything that we had asked them to do. And it was, it was a really fun group to be a part of, you know, they really wanted to accomplish something special together. And, you know, I think they, uh, they certainly took it to new heights last year. And I know that uh, we're excited to finally get to put the jerseys on at some point this year and, um, you know, really uh, continue to represent the program the right way. Okay, so um, you mentioned hoping to put the jerseys on this year. So men's and women's basketball, along with men's hockey, released their schedules yesterday. Um, how optimistic are you that there's going to be a season? And is there a status update with that? Uh, extremely optimistic, I would say. Um, the timing of that of that release, obviously, <clears throat> I saw it come up on my phone, too. And it's like, oh, great, you know, ours isn't included in here. So people are going to wonder. And then about five seconds later, I'm getting text messages left and right from everybody wondering why ours isn't included, too. And. Uh, the reality is without us, with us not being a SUNYAC sport, uh, but the SUNYAC commissioner also being our league commissioner, um, which that's a great spot for us to be in and that we do have that SUNYAC connection. The negative of that, though, is that we're usually the last to get information, right? Anytime there's something that's conference wide, um, you know, the SUNYAC teams are taken care of first and then it falls back to um uh, I guess the, the secondary conference, right. Which because we're not a SUNY conference, technically, even though we're all SUNY schools um, you know, that's just kind of how it falls. So I would hope that uh, our, uh, our schedule would be approved here in the next couple of days and that'll be released there soon so that uh, my phone can stop going off with all the extra questions about it. Cause uh, it's, uh, it's certainly coming. Um, it's just not in hand yet. Yeah, it's almost like we uh we hit you a week or so or maybe two weeks early. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I saw that yesterday and I was like, oh, geez, we, we got to get some stuff done uh, from our end of the media. And then I was like, of course, uh, women's hockey will eventually be down the pipe. So that's some good news uh, out of that, of course. Uh, my next question, uh, some 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 similar uh, differences and similarities, uh, you notice regarding the switch between the SUNYAC conference uh, to that new WHL conference you talked about. And, uh, and then you as a coach uh, making that switch uh, to women's hockey from the men's program. Uh, just some similarities, differences kind of that you see. Yeah, of course. Uh, any really, any really things that like blare out at you or some uh, similarities that uh, really hit you that isn't really different between the two uh, yeah. sports per se. Well, to, I guess to touch on the league first, you know, probably the, the biggest change was going from a league where, all of the games, it's a pretty standard schedule, right? You're playing Friday, Saturday, and really that's it, unless you're playing a non-conference game, you know, on a weekday. But uh, I want to think my last, my eighth and ninth year with the men's team, I'm not sure we even played a weekday game until the NCAA tournament. Um, and uh, and even that I'm not sure on. And then last year, switching over to, to the Newell, you know, <laughs> where it seemed like we played about every Wednesday and – you know, the, the fun part of that is that it allows you to get in to get into a really good rhythm uh, for games, right? You know that 
Wednesday, Saturdays. There's not a whole lot of time to uh, to wait between games, but there is those practice opportunities. So it gives you a chance to kind of fine tune things throughout the week. Um, the hard part of it really was, you know, there's there's no opportunity to really have good identity type practices, right? Whereas with the men's schedule, you know, you could really get after it Monday, Tuesdays, and really try to develop good habits, you know, from a uh, from an energy type standpoint. Whereas with our schedule last year, other than the first two weeks, uh, I guess I should say the first four weeks, right? Because we had the exhibition game on a Saturday, exhibition game on a Saturday. And then our first two weekends, we went Friday, Saturday at Castleton, Friday, Saturday at Plattsburgh. And um, so those four weeks, I think we, as a staff, we did a good job of establishing the identity that we were looking for from the team. But after that, when you're when you're playing two days later, you really don't have an opportunity to to practice that way. So we really just kind of transitioned our practices to where the intensity didn't really change, just the duration changed. And we were able to practice just as hard as we would have liked, but a lot shorter. And uh, I think given the results that we got, it's tough to argue with, but it's certainly certainly nicer when you have a little bit more of a runway to, to lead up to game weekends. Um, but uh, I don't think the players will ever argue with not having to practice uh, uh, for too hard, too long and get to play more games. Um, and as far as, uh, you know, differences, that I, uh, similarities, you know, and going from the men's game to the women's game, uh, you know, a lot of people talked to me about this a lot last summer and I didn't really notice anything. You know, I think the players are here for the same reasons. They want to, they want to be a part of something special. They want to be, uh, they want to have a connection created between themselves and their teammates, the the campus that they're on, the community that they're in. And, um, you know, in terms of how we communicate, how we practice, how we play, um, we didn't really allow for any, any differences. We just went out and treated them the way that, uh, that they should be treated and worked with them as best we could. And it was, uh, it was nice to see them get the results that they got. Okay, so just a little question on your background here. So you graduated from Fulton, you attended SUNY Brockport, and you're now at Oswego. Um, was it originally the plan to live in New York your whole life? And do you see yourself staying here for the rest of your life? <laughs> um, well, that's funny, too, because I actually grew up in Southern California before I moved to Fulton. So I right. just, uh, I got tired of all that beautiful weather and decided I'd come out here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing the more you you learn in life. And I've been fortunate to have some, you know, some great role models in my life that have, have really taught me don't plan too far ahead, right? Just try to take it one day at a time and be appreciative of where you're at and try to work to, to be the best at what you're doing today. And uh, that really has guided me along the whole way. And when I, you know, first moved from California to Fulton, you know, to play hockey, again, was, was fortunate to to step into an environment where you're, you were allowed to practice every single day and you're on the ice all the time. And I'm a bit of a hockey junkie. So that worked out perfect for me. And I think that really helped develop my passion for the game. And uh, then I get to Brockport and, and coach Dickinson there at Brockport was just phenomenal to me and the way that he treated me as a player. And then um, it just kind of developed from there, right? I was still working on my degree. And then he asked me to come in and be his assistant and you know, as a 22 year old guy who could pass that up, right. Just stay involved in the game that you love. And, um, 
you know, certainly not getting rich doing it, but you're having a great time. And, you know, I thought, uh, I thought for me personally, that was a great opportunity. And then, you know, four years later, um, Danny Ford, who was the assistant here with the men's team, you know, uh, he decided to step away. Danny's an awesome guy. I've known him a long time and I've known Ed since I was here in high school. So um, the opportunity to, to come back home closer to family, you know, it just the timing of things just worked out right. And, uh, you know, getting back here, my wife's family is all from here too, right? We met in high school. So yeah, as long ago as that was. And uh, so having family all close here and, and her job is local. So again, try not to plan too far ahead, but I could definitely see myself uh, sitting right here in this chair when I'm old and gray and just uh, having a great time doing it. Yeah, it's definitely uh, an awesome thing. You get you get obviously into coaching after your playing career, just stay involved in the game, and then you bring in that hometown touch uh, to this program that really helps out. It goes a long way to, mm-hmm. to the fans on the outside of the college, really. Yeah, well, good, and that's part of the goal, right, is try to – I think when you have somebody here that, that understands the importance that it has to the community – I think that passion wears off onto them, right? They start to to feel what it's like and feel what your what I feel towards the program and towards the community here. And you know, this is a hockey hotbed, right? People around here are passionate about hockey; they love it. And uh, for for us as a program to be able to continue that passion on from the community, I think that's a that's a huge part of what we do. And and I think the players they want that connection. Yeah, now heading into last season, I'll bring it back to the team here. Uh, The team went to the penalty box a total of 121 times, the most of any new WHL team. Although the group only gave up 18 shorthanded goals uh, on the penalty kill, what is one way the group can work to stay out of the sim in this coming season? Uh, Well, we'd like to see them take less stick penalties. Um, You know, I think when you look, the number of, uh, of slashing penalties, the number of tripping penalties, you know, certainly those are ones that we'd like to, to get cut out. Um, the, the number of interference penalties, you know, a lot of those are, are unnecessary. But uh, to be completely honest with you, we play the way we want to play. We should take penalties, right? We're okay with that. We'll be good on the penalty kill, and we're willing to accept that. But we don't want to be an easy team to play against, right? We don't want to be a, a team that you don't have to worry about getting bumped. You don't have to worry about you know, how, uh, how hard they're going to come in and play it. We want to go into pucks hard. We want to, we want to be demanding to play against whether we have the puck or we don't have the puck, you know, we, uh, and I think you look at some of our, our worst hockey of the season in the players where they were laughing early on in the year when we were talking about it, because there's some of our worst hockey, we took no penalties and it was, we were playing so perimeter, so soft that you don't, you didn't do anything. Whereas some of our best hockey of the year was our most aggressive hockey. And, you know, the way that we're built as a team, we want to play fast. We want to play hard. And in order to do that, I know there's no checking in, in women's hockey, uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you can't get physically involved. And, uh, you know, so yeah, we want to cut penalty minutes down a little bit. I think more importantly, we want to make sure our penalty kill stays where it was or just improves a little bit to allow us to play that way. Right. I mean, I think the better your penalty kill is the more aggressive you can play comfortably so that, uh, you know, that when you do get, get a penalty, 
I don't want to say you don't have to worry about it as much, but you just know that that's another opportunity for those, the people that are in those roles on your team, they have their opportunity to excel and to be the stars on the team. And uh, I think for us, having one lead into the next is uh, just part of our, our identity as a team. And then obviously you talk about the not lazy penalty, but the stick penalties. And then the difference between the grittiness of your team and the hardworking penalties, obviously you don't want to cut that out. That's your style. That's the, the grit behind the almost Oswego state Lakers for say. Uh, but yeah, definitely something uh, that you're, you're right about that. The whole uh, grittiness and then uh, keeping that style of hockey that you guys got going. Yeah, and that's especially offensive zone penalties, right? I mean, I think there's uh, as good as we were on the forecheck. I thought we we definitely took too many stick penalties when we already had proper layers. We could have created turnovers. And I think that uh, at times this year, we were just so antsy to create offense that uh, we got a little bit too overzealous with our sticks. And, and that happens, right? Especially when you're a young team. And we had a lot of young players in in big roles last year. And you know, certainly everybody, they could feel the excitement on the team. Everybody wants to make an impact. And so, you know, if that's, it's easy enough for that to be the first mistake, but if that's going to be the mistake of being over aggressive, I'm okay with that. Right. I mean, I'd rather, uh, rather tame a lion than spark a mouse. So we want to play hard and uh, we're okay to accept the consequences of that sometimes. Yeah. So you mentioned the uh, young core on your team. So one of them being Meg teach out, she, uh, she let in goals, points and assists last season. <clears throat> uh, besides her, who's a player the fans should be looking out for this season? Hmm. Gosh, I am not sure it's fair to say anybody. I think they're, uh, I think we got a pretty good group coming back. I mean, we're excited. To, you know, I think in my opinion, I think Fee Taggart is probably the most underrated player in our league. You know, I think she, uh, she got all conference. I think her sophomore year, she didn't get anything last year. That's, that's wrong. It really is. Uh, I mean, I think she's a player with all American potential and for her to not have, you know, any representation on the all conference teams. And the thing I love about fee, not only is she a great leader and a great person, but uh, you know, she plays with a chip on her shoulder, you know, and then, she kind of got snubbed there with no all-conference accolades and then went into the playoffs, and she was an absolute animal. And I think in the, in the two games, I want to think she played like 65 minutes, which is it's just incredible, the amount of time that her and Kate Randazzo ate for us last year and, and were effective throughout games. Um, you know, So her, I, I guess I would say, is, is one, being an upperclassman, um, you know, and I think there's a lot of players that can can continue to make an impact. Uh, you know, I mean, to name some here, you know, Morgan Shines played a big role for us last year. I think she can certainly take more steps forward, you know, as as confidence continues to develop for her and she still continues to get comfortable. I mean, she came in out of a big time program and, you know, I think she can do great things. Kylie Groove and I think same thing, right? Just as she continues to settle into what her role is on the team, and her identity, I mean, she's going to be a really good player. You know, Mia Conboy, you saw the same thing in her. Started out the year, you know, just trying to figure out the college game. And second half of the year really settled into her, you know, her role as a two-way, you know, just a smart hockey player. And uh, she was really effective for us down the stretch. And, you know, she doesn't show up on the score sheet a ton, but her value to the team is is incredible. You know, and I think there's a lot of those those type players that, you know, they might not show up on the score sheet as much as teach does, but 
you know, the reality is, is this team doesn't win, didn't win last year because of, you know, Meg's goal scoring, right? We won because all the other players that contributed, they starred in their roles on the team and then let Meg do her thing too, right? And I think when you get a good balance like that, it's easy for teams to be successful. Yeah, you're definitely right there with the team aspect. For coming into this season, uh, the program will be gaining four transfers <clears throat> as much as we know uh, so far from our end. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing out of these players and what expectations do you have for them? Yeah, I think the the exciting thing about bringing transfers in is that you get the, at least if, if we empower them the right way, they, they are able to maintain the experiences that they've had at other programs, right? Which is, that's a good thing where, you know, they come in, they understand the college game, they understand the college process as far as, you know, practicing on a consistent basis, the intensity of the games, you know, and all of that. So that's a, it's great to have that experience, but you also get a little bit of that freshman excitement back where, you know, they're in a new environment, they're in, in new roles, they're around new teammates. And so I think when you can really balance out the experience and the excitement, you know, I think you can end up in a good place. And I think the four of them are, uh, they're itching to get, uh, get out on the ice and, you know, really kind of show what they can do. And, you know, I think each of them kind of plays a little bit of a different role, right? I mean, everybody from, you know, Jonesy where, you know, her role, she should be a steady puck moving defender, right? And she can skate, she's fast, she's pretty smart with the puck. And um, <clears throat> I think she'll be a really good fit for, for what it is that we do. You know, I think, you know, Houdin had uh, almost as many goals or more goals her freshman year than Teachout did. So you know, we're going to be successful. We need people to, to score, right? We can't rely on every game one nothing like we did in the playoffs. So you know we need uh, we need to find another layer of scoring so that if teams start clamping down on Meg, then there's somebody else there that has the same scoring potential. Uh, and certainly having her here for for two plus years, that's that's going to be a that'll be a nice fit for us. Um, you know Ariella Haas. You know, I think she's a she's a fast player. Um, she'll be pretty similar, I would say, to I don't know, maybe a combination between Shines and you know Aaron Stewart, who graduated last year. When you know she plays with a ton of energy, um, she's willing to hold on to the puck and make plays. And I think she's shown a willingness and an ability to do that in big games. You know, what she did at her other program, and then uh, you know Zenstein, I think, will be another you know, steady player for us on the blue line, who's, you know, in, in two years at her other school was able to create some offense, which I think uh, losing Kate Randazzo from last year, you know, you, you lose the personality, you know, her leadership, that's obviously difficult. I'm not sure that we're going to replace that, but finding a way to replace her presence on the power play and on the penalty kill, I think Zenstein and Jones they kind of separately take those over, right? So hopefully Zenstein's somebody that can come in and help us on the power play. Jones is somebody that can come in and help us on the penalty kill. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think they'll all be really good fits personality-wise for what it is that we're doing. All right, Coach. So last question to wrap it up here. You said you've listened to the podcast. This one's not going to be – this one's not going to catch you off guard. So we're going to ask your favorite restaurant or dish in all of Oswego. Uh, where are you going to? You get one final meal here. Yeah, I was kind of anticipating that one, to be honest with you here. And uh, gosh, I'm not sure that, uh, not sure I can really, really give a clear cut one. I mean, I can throw some suggestions out there. I mean, everybody loves Azteca. 
Um, press box is that's uh, always a home run. Um, my kids like GJP and uh, Pies Guys for pizza, so tough to argue with those. Um, but I'd probably say the the Italian wings at the press box is probably the uh, probably the way to go. Yeah, we're, we got to start uh, making sure our uh, our guests come on and make sure only pick one because we're starting to get a mixed bag of everything uh, recently. But yeah, well, you're putting me on the hot seat. I mean, we're we're fortunate that we have a lot of good support, you know, here at the college from all the different uh, different places. I guess I probably should have mentioned the chicken patty on campus here. Right, it's probably probably the hot item that you guys are looking for. But um, you know, I think. Uh, no, we're lucky here in town. Even being a small town, we've got a lot of good places to uh, to go and eat. And uh, unfortunately, right now, it's not like anybody's eating out a ton, or at least we're not as a family. So we're uh, we're kind of hunkered down at home, eating eating ourselves. So um, no, it's uh, it, it's a good little town with plenty of uh, plenty of good places to go and grab grab a bite to eat. Yeah, it's, yeah a bunch, it, it's a bunch of great places to go eat, and uh, all the places are getting a lot of free advertising through our podcast. <laughs> Yeah, we like that. Help our friends, right? For of sure. course, of course. And once you guys do get back out, and hopefully uh, the pandemic uh, chills out a little bit, just make it more eager to go out and get some food. So yeah, absolutely. So uh, all right, Coach, uh, we appreciate you for uh, coming on, and giving us the opportunity to sit down with us today, and uh, we wish you luck uh, with the coming season and the conference. And uh, hope uh, we hear some more information on the team uh, coming soon in the coming months. So uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, and. Uh, no, if any, uh, anytime you need anything from us, just let me know. Thank you, coach. Appreciate it. Now, welcome back from that interview with coach Digby from the women's Oswego hockey team. Uh, we appreciate him for uh, coming on the podcast show, drop some initial thoughts here, uh, from that interview. Um, so the first thing that stuck out to me, obviously was his optimism about having a season after, as we talked about in this podcast, the, um, men's basketball, women's basketball, men's hockey schedules all dropping. He says that he's optimistic about having a season and that it's looking good. And hopefully people start stop blowing up his phone. So hopefully the new HL drops the schedule for us soon and for coach Digby. So people can leave him alone. It will definitely make my life a lot easier from the media point of view, if they could just drop it like right now or like coming, coming week. Well, hopefully this will be out. Hopefully the schedule will be out by the time we get this episode up. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely a weird thing for anyone that's not really uh, up close and pays attention as much of the sports uh, with the conferences as Oswego women's hockey isn't affiliated with the SUNYAC, but a lot of the SUNY teams uh, play in the new WHL. So it's almost a secondary conference. Uh, and he talked about the whole commissioner and uh, that connection. So it's really a, a follow suit type thing. It'll be really cool to see how they work it into the schedule uh, compared to the hockey and the basketball schedule so far. Uh, but it's definitely something to pay attention for if you're an Oswego state fan. Yeah, and especially for Coach Digby, another thing that he t- that he touched on was the um, their game plan. As the the question you asked about the penalty box minutes, and he said that he's willing to to take that because they they play better hockey when they play aggressive hockey. And I mean, I think that's an interesting coaching approach that he has going. Is they're playing aggressive, they're getting in the penalty box, but they're playing their best hockey when they're in the penalty box. They trust their shorthanded unit, and they just they just let it roll. It's definitely something that shows on the ice too. We talked about earlier in the season when they really didn't play as gritty uh, for say, and it, it showed uh, they didn't really win hockey games in the beginning of the season, or they would win some by low margins. And it was just a different style of hockey 
uh, that you saw. Now, heading in a Buccaneers corner, we're going to spotlight the boys soccer and the girls soccer team here. Uh, shout out to Oswego County News Now for some of this information on the boys soccer matchup. Uh, but quick highlight of last week, the boys soccer went one and one uh, to open up their season. They played Central Square, took the L the first night on the road, and then they came home uh, for senior night, beat Cortland 5-1. to one. So a big victory uh, over Cortland, uh, who came into Oswego. Uh, quick highlight, Tyler May with two goals, Marcus Baker with two goals, Clay Kennedy with one goal and two assists, and then the goaltender, Kyle Familiar, with 10 saves. They're currently fourth in the Salt City Athletic Conference in the Empire Division. And this coming week, they'll play Liverpool and then ESM. ESM is in their division. So that'll be a big game Friday night at home. Of course, ESM did beat Liverpool uh, last weekend, and they're currently first in Oswego's division. Uh, so a big weekend coming up for this group. Yeah, that boys soccer team going to be rolling off that momentum of a 5-1 win over Cortland. Obviously, senior night. Shout out to all uh, nine seniors on that boys soccer team. But um, big week coming up ahead, and hopefully we see them 3-1 three, three and one on the other side. Yeah, of course, and now heading into girls' soccer. They played Central Square last weekend, the opposite of the boys. They took the 11-0 loss to open up their season at home. They're currently last in their conference just due to the fact that they only played one game so far. And the good thing is three of those teams are winless uh, with Auburn and Cortland. So they, they are still in contention as half the conference is really winless so far. Uh, and they will be playing Liverpool and ESM this week. Wednesday and Friday and ESM is also first in the girls soccer uh, division so far. So uh, a, a big week for uh, Oswego soccer fans uh, in the high school Buccaneers world. And uh, we hope uh, the best of luck to them and we'll highlight them next week to see what happens. Yeah. That women's soccer or that girls soccer team coming off the 11, nothing win. I mean, that's just a loss or the, sorry, 11, nothing loss. It's just a loss regardless if it's one or 11. I mean, we're just gonna, they just got to shake that off and uh, keep it rolling. They're 0-1. They're 0-1. doesn't matter what the score is. Just keep it rolling. Of course, not not really what you wanted to start out with, but it's only one game, so you're fine. You got the whole rest of the season to, to get it back on track. Now, wrapping up Episode 6 of the 104 Sports Report, of course, you guys did listen to the Mark Digby interview today, and a lot of news coming out of Oswego State and the Buccaneers as news is starting to pick up in Oswego in terms of sports. Thank God as we head into the month of October. This is the happiest I've ever been to see a schedule release. When I saw that, that the uh, SUNYAC and Oswego Lakers dropped men's hockey, men's basketball, and women's basketball, I was like, we have content, we have sports to look forward to. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's coming soon, and I can't wait. Can't wait to start calling some sports soon, too, of course, uh, for WTOP and WNYO. But, of course, you are listening to uh, the 104 Sports Report on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms. Shout out to WNYO for affiliating with us. Of course, uh, the brother, the partnership there uh, with them really aids us and aids them. And, of course, our social medias. Joe, drop your Twitter, please. Just Joey Palatsky. Check it out. Plain and simple. And then mine is, of course, at ZachK6. Our Twitter and Instagram are at 104 Sportsport. And you've been listening to the 104 Sportsport Episode 6 with the Coach Mark Digby interview. Uh, we hope you have a uh, good week. And we'll see you next time for Episode 7. Have a good one. You're listening to the 104 Sports Report, your main source for Oswego sports, hosted by Zach Case and Joey Palatsky.